And uh, if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Romans chapter 12. We're in the book of Romans chapter 12 this morning. And for those of you who are just joining us, we're going through a series at the moment called Road Through Romans. This is only part two, so you haven't missed much. But we're going to get through a few more verses this morning, hopefully. I have an uh, indication of time there, as well as my watch here, but um, we'll see how we go. My first question for you this morning is um, some homework that I want you to do. I'm going to start with homework. We usually do this at the end of the lesson. Um, I'm a teacher by trade, and uh, homework is usually dealt afterwards, but I just want you to think about this. What do you think is your purpose here on earth? What do you think God has called you to do? If you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, he wants, to, uh, he wants you to fulfill his will, his purposes here on earth as they are in heaven. But what do you think that entails? What do you think that involves? Paul, we went through last week in Romans chapter 1, his purpose involves three things. It, was, it involved being a servant of Jesus Christ. So having a servant heart, it involved being an apostle or being sent out. And we know that um, for Paul, he had the privilege of being chosen to be, uh, have the office of apostle. But apostles are really just people who are sent forth. They're sent to do a purpose. And in a way, we are all apostles, just with a small a. Because we're sent forth, we're sent out to do some work. And that work is ultimately glorifying our Heavenly Father, glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. But with that comes some specific things. And thirdly, it was set apart for the gospel of God. This set apart word is interesting in the Greek. It kind of means like a, a zoning so think of a, um, a development site, and it's, it's zoned for residential houses only. And Paul is saying, inside that zone, that's all I'm worried about. That's all I care about. That's all my purpose is. And in that zone is the good news. So we're going to get into the good news. What is this good news that Paul is trying to declare and preach about to the Romans? And so... The good news, when you think about what the good news is, and by the way, the good news is the gospel. So I'll be preaching the gospel uh, for the next um, two weeks. I don't think I can fit it in a week. I, I'm, I'm scared right now that I won't do it justice, actually. Uh, I'm praying right now that the, the Spirit will use me to uh, use the right words to give it um, what it deserves. But the good news is good news, okay? Many songs written about the good news. Some have to repeat it. It's good, good news. It is good news. And if you don't believe it's good news, um, whether it's because you don't appreciate it, you might be listening and you actually don't fully understand that it's good news. Because there's lots of things that we could believe, we could interpret others passages in the Bible to think that it's not necessarily good news. By the end of these two weeks, or ultimately by the end of Romans, because 
This book of Romans feeds off these first few verses that um, Paul delves into. So we'll be going through that um, in the next two weeks. I'm hoping in 15 minutes' time we'll get through all three. But there'll be six characteristics. Three is what I'm going through this morning. It's from God, number one. It is from God. Number two, it's all about Jesus. Number three, it produces obedience. These are just three characteristics that we'll find in these first few verses up to um, verse 5 particularly, but we'll go read through to verse 7, hopefully. We know it's from God. Verse 1 just said it. It's the good news of God. There it is. It's of God. Paul, again, hasn't met these Romans yet. He hasn't even been to the place. He's hoping to get there. But he's assured that what he's speaking to them is of God. And this might be new to a few people because they're from a Jewish ancestry and them thinking that they know the Heavenly Father because they've been separated as a chosen nation to bring about God's plan of ultimate redemption. And to them, whoa, things are, things are changing. You're saying to me, I no longer have to fulfill all of my 16, uh, 613 laws, all of my 613 Jewish obligations in order to be approved unto God. You're saying now that this guy who has called himself Jesus Christ is the answer and all I have to do is believe in him? Whoa, that's too much for me. When you've been brought up in a strict culture like the Jewish one, this is a bit mind-boggling to them. But it's from God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. God is an all-knowing God. Paul reinforces this fact in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This morning, we who trust the Jesus Christ as our Savior are blessed with every spiritual blessing that there is. Every spiritual blessing. We don't need anything else in order to be complete in Christ Jesus. Just try to take some time to actually fathom that. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Now, don't get too hung up on that He chose us. Because I know there are some in this room that believe that it's talking about individually choosing. Okay? I believe that He corporately chose us. And we're going to be more getting more into that in Romans chapter 9. But the point that I'm trying to say here in referencing the Scripture is that He did it before the creation of the world. Before anything was made, He knew you. Before anything was made, He loved you, even though you were going to stuff up so many times. Even though that you were going to fail Him so many times. He knew that. He knew it on the cross. 
He's always known it. It's from God. Secondly, it's about Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. That word concerning his son, concerning in particular. That word in the Greek is pronounced something along the lines of peri. Where we get the word, or I should say the, I'm thinking back to my English lessons, prefix, I was about to say suffix, the prefix peri, P-E-R-I. Now think of some words that start with peri, P-E-R-I. One such word is periscope. Think about what a periscope is. You have a submarine. Remember, it's the thing that pops up out of the water. And what can you do with a periscope? You can turn 360 degrees and see everything that's surrounded by the submarine. Not necessarily the fact that you can see through it. That's not where we get the word, that's not why the, um, the prefix peri is in that word. That's more for the scope. But it's surrounded. Um, think of another word, perimeter. What's the perimeter of this property? It's the outside boundary. So concerning his son, Jesus Christ, the gospel surrounds Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. And you might be listening right now and saying, okay, yes, I get that. I know that. But think the last time when you may have spoken about God to someone. You may have tried to be witnessing to someone and you want to bring up God. I don't know about you, but for me, the conversation always goes back to religion. It always goes back to Christianity. What is Christianity to you? Usually you might get a response of, oh, so you're a Christian, hey? Call yourself Christian? And straight away, their preconceived ideas of what Christianity is <laughs> floods their mind. Oh, you want to talk about Christianity, eh? You ever heard of those crusaders? You know, those people who did all that stuff in Jesus' name? What's with that? Oh, you're talking about church? Attending church? Well, what, what's the point of doing that? They're just, just a bunch of hypocrites. It goes on and on. And, and the focus gets more on what Christianity is and off the topic of what the good news is really about. We need to stop talking about religion because religion doesn't save anyone. It's Jesus that saves. Let's talk about Jesus. He's everything. He's what the good news is all about. Let's keep the topic on focus with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then... Paul describes some things about Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, he mentions that he was made of the seed of David, or in, um, in the, uh, the line of David, the tribe of Judah, according to the flesh. Notice that, according to the flesh. So Paul is telling me here that Jesus was human. 
Even back in the day, John had to argue against these people who had invaded the church and they believed that Jesus was not human. They believed he was just spirit. And that's why we um, are reading in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he's always talking about sin. Because if, God, if Christ was in spirit, then I'm not, I'm not really a sinner. I haven't really sinned. And so John's addressing that issue. But this is very important. Uh, Jesus was human. Made of the seed of David. Now, you might hear someone say that Jesus Christ is just fulfilling a Jewish law here. In that, if you had to be a ruler, you had to be from the tribe of Judah. You had to be in the line of David. But I don't believe that for a sec. The reason is, is because Jesus broke the rules. The Jewish laws, that is. The Jewish rules. Jesus is someone who we call our high priest, are we not? According to Hebrews, he is our high priest. In other words, I go through him, just like a Catholic goes through another priest, an earthly priest, to have their sins forgiven. I, on the other hand, we, on the other hand, I'm sure, because I pretty much know all of you, um, you wouldn't be here otherwise, you'd, you'd be at another church, you go through Jesus Christ to get forgiven. So that's why Jesus Christ is our high priest. But the Jewish law says that a priest has to come from the tribe of Levi. He has to be a Levi, a Levite, what we say. So to me, this is not a case of him having to obey some Jewish law. To me, this is a case of him fulfilling prophecy. It was prophesied that the Messiah would come from the line of David. It was prophesied that he would come from the tribe of Judah. So to me, this tells, Paul is talking to the Romans and say, this Jesus Christ is someone that you've got to pay attention to. He's someone that mattered and that continues to be mattered. And of course, it doesn't stop at his humanness where we have to argue with some other people because he's declared to be the son of God. He's also not just human, but also God. He's the son of God. How do we know that he's the son of God? Well, he proved it to us. Because we have many people claiming that they are the son of God. Even today, we have one approximately 25 minutes drive that way. I'm not sure if you know. We have a guy claiming to be the son of God. You know who he is, right? And he has a follower, even from America, come all the way to Australia to follow this guy who declares to be the son of God, okay? <laughs> and there'll always be people claiming to be from God. But what set Jesus apart? It says it right there in verse 4. With power according to the spirit of holiness or according to the spirit of God, by the resurrection of the dead. He was the only one who's been resurrected, claiming to be the Son of God. The only one. And when you hear documentation, or you see documentation, manuscripts saying that 
well, the Jews, we can't have this. So we have to say that the disciples stole his body. Because no one can deny the existence of Jesus Christ. It has come, everyone's come to the conclusion, even an atheist who does not believe in God, okay? The atheist, whatever the, 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 the board is, the, the main organization, they have come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ actually existed here on earth. No one can deny his existence. There's too many historians that have written about him in the past that says, even to the point where he was put on a, a cross, died under the hand of Pontius Pilate. Everything is in detail there. Matches up with the Bible accordingly. Not just Christian historians, but even non-Christian ones. You cannot deny his existence. This is a man that matters. But obviously, atheists would have to come to the conclusion, or come to the point, rather, where they would deny the resurrection. You have to deny the resurrection if you are to deny Jesus Christ. That's the point. But when you think about Jesus, think about it. Three years of ministry. People teach for lifetimes. And that has good value. Think of some great teachers. Socrates, Plato. Oh, they taught for what? 40, 50 years probably. Jesus taught for three. His teachings far outweigh them. Think about how many songs are written about Jesus. He didn't write any song. He didn't sing any songs that I know of. Not recorded. But more songs are written about him than anyone else. Didn't write any, um, didn't read any books. Didn't write any books. But more books are written about him than anyone else. Didn't write any poetry. But more poems are written about him than anyone else. It's all about Jesus. And this is what we have to be firm on when we are going out there and trying to bring up these conversations about God and, and them knowing God and who God is. It's about Jesus. And on that, by the way, I'll get to it soon. Think about why you're going out there to witness. Think about why you're going out there to bring up these conversations about God. Your intention could be, well, we're instructed in Matthew 28, aren't we not? 19 and 20, we've got the Great, great Commission. That's a good, it's a good reason, but it shouldn't be the primary reason. Another good reason is, well, Jesus had a love for people. I have a love for people. So I don't want anyone to go to hell. Therefore, I should bring up God and, and make sure that I'll do my best to get him to come to that same realization in their life. It's a good reason, but again, it shouldn't be the primary reason. I think Paul gives us the primary reason in that next verse. It says, Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. It's for his sake. We do it because of what he's done for us. We do it just to talk about him because we know 
how much He's changed us. We know how much or how precious this good news is. We know how important His death on the cross is for us and what it means. Forgiveness of all our sins, made oneness with Him, declared righteous before His sight. Do it because of Him. Just to be able to talk about His name. Just to be able to honor Him and His name. Just to be able to glorify Him for His name's sake. And thirdly, as you see the title there, the same verse as it produces obedience. It produces obedience. And I'll finish off with this point. Through Him we receive grace. Again, grace, just unmerited favor. So we don't deserve any of it. But we know through um, His death that that's a, that's a gracious act. It's a gift of God. For by grace are we saved. By grace. We didn't deserve any of it. We can't deserve any of it. We can't do anything to earn it. So we can't boast about it. It's all on what he does. But he's called grace and an apostleship to call all the Gentiles. So Paul, notice this. Again, Romans are Gentiles, anyone other than a Jew. Paul has been chosen to minister, to preach to anyone who's not a Jew, to reach the Gentiles. Many Jews didn't like this. And we're going to get into that more, which would understand where, where Paul is coming from when he, when he writes a few of these chapters. But Paul's calling is for the Gentiles, all the Gentiles, in the King James Version, it says, all nations to the obedience that comes from faith. So I use the NIV here on purpose. The obedience that comes from faith. We celebrated communion today. Why? Because by faith, we believe that Jesus' death on the cross is what forgives us of our sins. That if you believe that, you are a child of God. But how do you obey God after that? Do you obey God? Through faith. You might be wondering, oh, what do you want about? Well, how are the different ways that we can obey people? We can obey, I, I, this is easy because I can relate it to teaching. How do I get my students to obey me? Well, I can do it through incentive. I'm known as the Mentos teacher at school. So my incentives are usually Mentos. Worked for me the other week. It's an incentive to obey. How do we get our children to obey? Well, we don't usually have to bribe them. We do it through instruction, right? Usually. <laughs> Sometimes it does take a bribe. Instruction. Train the child on the way that they should go and they won't depart from it later on. So we instruct the child, okay, that's, do this, and that's how you, that's what obedience is. Or, we know the other type of obedience is through um, fear. Fear. 
Think of a, ru- a ruler in the world who, who led by fear. Um, Saddam Hussein led by fear. His people obeyed him because they didn't want to be shot or usually beheaded, wasn't it, back in Iraq? Um, Hitler, he was one, wasn't he? Not even his closest people wanted to betray him, wanted to disobey because they knew that they'd be killed. Mussolini, um, probably, probably um, Osama bin Laden, his, his, his people, they were fearful. They obeyed because they didn't want to get in trouble. Obedience, sometimes we do it through rules, We're just rule keeping. We have rule keeping. We say, yep, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Um, I've got to make sure I uh, don't go past 60 on Boat Harbor Drive because if it happens, then I'll get a ticket. I've got to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And so think about your obedience to God now. Is it through incentive? Are we under the impression that we might get something more from God if we obey Him? Is it through instruction? Hey, it's in the Bible there. It's in the Bible, so I've got to do it. Is it through fear? Are we under the impression that if I don't obey God, then something bad might happen to me? He might get onto me and say, Tim, you better watch it. Is it through just keeping a bunch of rules? I've got to make sure. Go to church. For some, got to go to church on Saturday. No, got to go to church on Sunday. I've got to make sure I don't swear. I've got to make sure I don't watch that show. I've got to make sure I give money. I've got to make sure that the list goes on. Is it just, what is it to you? Paul is saying that our obedience needs to come from faith. And so if you're still scratching your head right now and says, what exactly does that mean? Well, we're going to get into that a lot more, especially when, yeah, through the chapters. And that's what I'm getting excited about. God wants us to obey Him through the faith. It comes from faith. Keep your mind, God gives us an obedient heart. But if that's too much for you to handle, then just ignore that and we'll get into that more when we look into Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6 and all that. And then I'll quickly close with these two, for these, um, just so we, we're past these. And you, verse 6, you also are among those. So this includes us, Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you, my brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, everyone. Grace and peace, that's what God wants you to experience. And if you have not experienced it, call upon the name of the Lord. And that's my encouragement for you today. For the rest of us, let's talk about Jesus. And we're about to sing about uh, just that. Uh, So I invite Peter to come up to the front while we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that Jesus is 
the good news. Thank you that we are freely available, freely under no restrictions to receive it, to believe in it, and even to express it to the lost community around us. We thank you for the privilege and the liberty we have to just express the love that you have demonstrated towards us. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.